welcome to Widowcast Podcast, where you learn how to find the strength to get through your journey and the skills to coach other widows. This is not your average grief group. This is your journey group. It just may show you the way to make something amazing come out of the emotional pain and trauma of widowhood. I'm your host, Joanne Philomena. I'm the best-selling author of Widowed and Widow Coach, and I'm a professional certified life coach. Let the healing and your personal journey begin. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Listen, today I want to talk about when you are too busy to grieve, and at the same time, you're just not busy enough to try to stuff that pain of loss down. So this kind of came to my attention with a post that's in my Facebook group, Widows Empowering Widows. And as a matter of fact, while I record this podcast, I'm also going on live video in the group so that I can talk about a few things and share a few things within the group. Um, So in the group, Charlene had posted, and we're not giving your last name out, Charlene, because this may go up on the podcast, but she had posted talking about, you know, she'd been a member of the group on Facebook for a while, and I hadn't really shared much, but feels like she needs some guidance because her husband passed um, a little less than a year ago. They celebrated their wedding anniversary like one week before he passed away. So through the first couple of months, you know, she was in that fog. I get it, Charlene. We're all, it's like you go, it's a state of shock when your husband dies. I mean, it puts your whole physical body into a state of shock. So, and yeah, your brain is like that fog brain because that's trying to protect you from feeling the full impact of that loss as much as it hurts. It emotionally hurts when they pass away. Your brain is like just trying to muffle that for you. And for me and for many widows I talk to, it's like that fog can actually last like six months. It's like it slowly starts to lift away, but you're still not, you know, I, at one point I thought I was okay and on top of it and I was out of the fog. And then I hit the six month mark and I looked back and I went, oh man, I was not doing well at all. You know, there were things that I filed away that I never found again. I don't know where I filed them. Um, Just all kinds of things. And it's okay. That's why in my first book, I talk about giving yourself a widow pass. You just get a pass on things when you go through this. So you were in a fog. Um, You moved states, changed jobs, changed schools right? Making all the arrangements, um, trying not to think about everything, right? Trying not to think about the loss. A couple of teenage boys at home. The oldest has graduated high school. The younger one got his driver's license and you feel like your husband is just missing out on all of that. And you even said, I feel like I missed out on a lot of that because I was in the fog or just trying to keep myself so busy that I could not feel the loss, the full impact of it anyway. Now um, that anniversary is approaching again, right? Your wedding anniversary and the anniversary of his death a week later. And you said you're scared that 
you can't stay busy enough to not notice, which I believe you, you know, I believe you, you're not going to stay busy enough to not notice when that comes to pass. And, um, you said you tried therapy in groups, but it feels like it brings you too close to reality. And you said, if I stopped to think about it, I would never move again. Um, it's an interesting thought, right? Because, you know, I would, I would challenge that thought. As a life coach, I challenge thoughts all the time. <laughs> That's what I do. But, you know, challenging it is going to help you see that. Now, if you think about it, you will move again. You can't know 100% that you would just never, ever be able to even move again in life. You'll be okay. You can allow yourself to feel this and process it. And that's what I want to dig into today. Okay. You said in there, you know, the way you're dealing with the loss of your husband is unhealthy. But at 37, your husband is the first person you ever lost. And I'm going to tell you now, Charlene, it's the toughest loss. Lost, not lost. Uh, my father passed away when I was in my early 30s. And um, that was difficult, you know. Um, I think we're all daddy's girls at heart. I certainly was a daddy's girl. And it was hard for me to process that grief. And then, um, like, I don't know, seven, ten years later, my mother died. And, you know, I grieved for her. I had a very dear friend that I lost to breast cancer. Um, I had another dear friend out on the other side of the country that I lost to multiple myeloma. Those were all hard losses to get through, but not even close to what it's like when your spouse passes away. You know, it's like it's not the same grief at all. And I, you know, I knew that. I recognized that. When the others passed away, it didn't like just rip my whole life out from under me, for starters, <laughs> okay? The most stressful event of your life, and this is not just me, this is what modern day psychology says, that's what the whole stress point scale says, the most stressful event of your life is the loss of your spouse. So, yeah. So you asked, how do you get through the first anniversary? But we're going to go back and talk about a whole bunch of other stuff that's going on in there, right? Here's how you get through those dates. And I know that people who have been in the group a while, they know the answer, they share it, they give you lots of great advice. You got a lot of great responses in there. And, you know, the truth is the anticipation of those dates are that's more painful than the actual days because you're building it up in your mind ahead of time. Like it's not even your anniversary yet and you're already suffering about it. You know what I mean? Because of the sentences that are going through your mind about it are building this deep sadness and deep pain and an anticipation of something that you feel like you're not going to be able to handle you're just not busy enough <laughs> and you can't get busy enough sometimes you know that's what I want to tell you I understand diving into work or diving into anything that like just keeps us really busy 
it's a good way to try to block out all of the emotions that are going on in our body after loss. It is the same as drinking, right? You kind of made a better choice than turning into an alcoholic, right? You just dove into all the busy, busy that you could, but it's the same mechanism as drinking to not feel the pain or overeating to not deal with the pain, which is my choice, you know? When I'm trying to avoid an emotion I don't like, my urge is to go sit down with a couple of chocolate chip cookies or a scone and a cup of tea, you know? Um, yeah. Overeating, overdrinking, overspending, overgambling, overbusiness, all of it is the same trigger mechanism. You're feeling something that is uncomfortable to feel. And instead of even acknowledging it, like you don't even want to acknowledge it. You just want to push that down and not even have to acknowledge that you are in emotional pain. And the way to do that is to just keep yourself too busy so you don't have to think about it. And sometimes that emotional pain is going to become so intense you can't be busy enough, right? Right now, you're making those anticipated anniversaries so painful for yourself that you're struggling, okay? And here are the things we tell ourselves. Our emotions, by the way, are always triggered by what we're thinking. It's about the story we have about it in our minds, our brain creates the emotions in our body. It comes from our brain. It doesn't come from outside of us. Think about it. Think about fear, extreme sudden fear. You know, they talk about that fight or flight that you go into. Your brain creates that feeling of fear. Your brain sends all those signals out. And fight or flight, it not only sends the emotional vibration of fear into your body, it dilates your pupils open a little more to let in more light to see. It makes your heart rate go up a little and you start breathing a little faster so that you can run in a split second. It releases adrenaline into your body from your adrenal glands. You know, it's like that butterfly feeling in your stomach when you are confronting a tiger or a little tiny spider sometimes, all of your emotions come from your brain. So right now, what is your brain telling you, Charlene? It's telling you, oh, I dread these days and they're only a week apart. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle it. And I'm so scared that I'm going to be so sad. I'm so scared that I will never be able to move again if I think about it. Right? How am I going to handle that? It's going to hurt so much. And when we tell ourselves that right now, right now, when it's July 9th, and we tell, you're telling yourself that you are in more pain than you will be on your wedding anniversary. Right? You're building it already now. So here's what I want you to do, Charlene. Here's how you handle it. You start considering right now all the sentences your brain plays. And I know thoughts are always a choice, but it doesn't feel like a choice right now. And it feels like reality. I get that. 
because they fire so fast in our brain. It's like, how could I be choosing this? But your brain has these neural pathways and there are thoughts that are ingrained in your brain, right? Thoughts that you've maybe been telling yourself for 11 months now. And it's like, it's a neural pathway that's like fixed in there. So your brain can fire those thoughts. This hurts too much. How do I get busy enough? Boom. These thoughts are firing. Sit down with a notebook and try to just write some of your thoughts down as they pop in your head. At the top of the notebook page, the blank page, you can just put wedding anniversary, right? Anniversary of his death. And then just start writing everything that comes to mind about it. Because once you write those all down, I do want you to look at them and understand these are just like you could cut them out of the page and put that little thought in your hand and just look at it. It's thought. Most of them you're going to look at and you're going to go, I don't know that that's true. If you tell us this is going to be the worst day of my life, do I know for sure that's true? The day hasn't even happened yet. I always do that in my thought downloads. I love to go through and just kind of question. And my first reaction to most of my thoughts, first reaction is, yeah, that's true. That's fact. And then I go, oh, do I absolutely know this is true? Could I prove this in a court of law? And I'm like, wow, no, <laughs> no. And also you'll see clearly as you look at those sentences, where the emotional pain is coming from, because you will feel it when you read those sentences. You're going to feel those sentences, okay? Then you can just crumple that page up, throw it away. And let's talk about what you could be telling yourself about these upcoming days, right? You, but these have to be, these can't be like positive affirmations. Okay, you know how, I don't know if you're old enough, if you're old like me, you remember back in the 70s and 80s and we were all doing positive affirmations, right? Um, and they don't work because your brain doesn't necessarily believe that they're true. You want thoughts that you feel are true, but they feel better than the thoughts that are pounding you right now. Okay, if you think about it, you know, it's going to be our 17th wedding anniversary. I met this man that I was just head over heels for. Right? You didn't even think about your wedding day. What sweet memories do you have from your wedding day? You can't think about it. You can tell yourself, you know what? I'm going to savor that day for myself. Because it's one of my favorite days of the year, the day we got married. And I had those amazing years with him. He gave me a couple of amazing kids. When you start to think thoughts like that, right? Or if you think, if I plan how I'm going to approach this, I will feel better. It's a thought right there then you can say, what do I want to do on our anniversary, right? Is there something you want to include your two teenagers with? Something you just want all by yourself? A candlelight dinner with a glass of wine and you just think about the memories? Think about everything you learned while you were married to that man. 
I often reflect back on that. I didn't realize it for the 20 plus years that Jim and I were together till after he died. And sometimes I look back and it's like, I learned so much from him. And I'm sure he learned a lot from me too. I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'm sure I taught him some stuff. When you can think about that anniversary and say, this is how I want to handle it. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to honor that memory. And you actually plan a couple things for the day. It starts to feel better. It's like you already know how you're going to approach it. You already know how you want to like cherish it and honor it, whatever little ritual you want to create around it. And I would tell you the same thing for the day he died. Okay. I don't know if you have him um, buried or scattered ashes or have his ashes there with your, with your kids. I would like ask them too, like include them on what do we want to plan to do on that day? You know, it's going to be a year. Do we want to go get some helium balloons, not mylar ones, helium balloons that we can put some messages on to your dad and let them go? out of the backyard, you know, just make a, a whole ceremony of that. Like, you know, that could be awesome to do. Get feedback from your boys, right? What might they want to do with you? What do you want to do by yourself on that day? How do you want to approach that day? That's how you are going to be able to get through those firsts, the first wedding anniversary, the first anniversary of his death, is you have to plan for them ahead of time. And you have to look at what you're telling yourself about that day ahead of time, too. Because, like I said, you can make yourself feel worse right now than you will on the actual day, just because you are triggering all these emotions through your mind. Now, here's the thing I want to talk to you about the emotions because you have been using being busy as a way to kind of check out on all of the emotions that come along with grief, okay? Grief itself is not as painful as you think it is. When you can deal with all the emotions around grief, and once you've dealt with all of those and you get down to just grief, yeah, grief is we're going to be with you forever. And it's not heavy. It's not painful. Okay, I still miss Jim. It's been five and a half years. I still miss him. I still talk to him. I still have a relationship with him. Right. As I told someone I was talking to about an hour ago, I said, hey, it's a one-sided relationship, but the truth is all relationships are one-sided because everything we we think about them, every, every way we feel about them is because of what we tell ourselves about them. We create the relationship. And here's the good news. Your sons at the age of, are, are they both sons? Yes. Your sons at the age of 17 and 16, they can continue having a relationship with their dad. They can 
talk out loud to their dad if they want to. They may just suddenly become really interested in some of the things their dad used to do that they didn't necessarily pay attention to at the time. Maybe they want to know more about their dad. Like, you know, what was their dad like in high school? What was their dad like in college? But even as they grow and get older, their relationship with their dad can continue to develop and continue to grow as they grow and get older. As long as they can feel like their dad is still there somewhere, right? And that it's okay for them to continue to want to know more about their dad, to think about their dad, to even talk out loud to their dad, that they still have their dad right? He's passed away. I don't know what your religious beliefs are. Whatever you think, I happen to, I happen to know Jim is still around. My dad was still around. (laughs) I mean, for me, it's like no question. And I've heard so many stories from so many widows. It's like to think that they just like die and stop existing. (laughs) doesn't happen, doesn't happen. So know that you continue to have a relationship with your husband. Your boys can continue to have a relationship with their dad. And you can plan for these upcoming events. Now, I've talked about the emotions being something that you've been covering up with being busy Okay, and we all have different ways that we might try to suppress emotions. The reason we try to suppress them and don't even want to acknowledge them is it, we think it's going to hurt too bad. We think we could die. Do you ever hear the, you know, the phrase died from humiliation? Nobody ever actually died from humiliation, y'all. <laughs> And I've learned this because I have humiliated myself in my lifetime. Oh, let me tell you. And I used to not be good about humiliation. Like I couldn't even talk. I would get that grizzled lump in my throat. I would just, you know, it was like, it was all over for me. Now I can be humiliated and I'm, I'm good with it because I know I can like experience the feeling of humiliation and go, yeah, okay, that's humiliation. I have been here before. And if I can just sit here and notice the humiliation, it dissipates. Emotions last. You guys ready for this? Because this was revolutionary when I learned this. And I didn't believe it at first either. (laughs) Emotions last about 90 seconds if you allow them. Now, just like you, when I first heard that, I said, no way. If I'm upset about something in the evening, I'm upset about it all night. I wake up in the morning. I remember that I was upset about it and I'm still upset. And my coach told me, Joy, and you're still upset because you didn't allow yourself to be upset. Just keep pushing that down. Just have another chocolate chip cookie. (laughs) Don't notice you feel upset. Try to not feel upset that way. When you can allow an emotion it will begin to dissipate in about 90 seconds. It may come back. 
you know, we've got some pretty strong emotions going on as widows. And they go out and back kind of just like waves of the ocean. But it's like each wave comes back a little gentler. Now the ocean has like a big crashing wave and then it goes out and then a medium wave and it goes out and then a littler wave and then a littler wave. That is kind of how what our emotions can do. Some emotions, if they're not, you know, something that's just being triggered, 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 I can have an emotion, I can notice it, and that's kind of how I process it, by noticing it, you know? It's like, what is this butterflies in my stomach, tightness in my chest thing going on? I'm like, oh, I've got anxiety. I remember anxiety. By the time I can think what it feels like and I can put a name to it, then it begins to release. That's how I can process that emotion. Some emotions, though, you know, if you are in deep sadness because of the loss of your husband, that's going to come back in some few waves because you're like, yeah, this is, this is sad. It makes my arms heavy. It makes my legs heavy. It almost sometimes feels like I can't breathe. This is, this is sadness. And when I tell you that pure grief is kind of a lovely thing, it's because you've processed all those other emotions. When Jim died, I was sad. I was terrified. I was angry. I was... Um, I want to go scared, scared, scared. I had some resentment, loneliness. I had confusion. Um, oh, gosh, I don't even know if I can go down the whole list. But they were like, boom, 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 boom. And they were all in me at once. And I would go from being really kind of sad and melancholy and depressed to being really angry, <laughs> right, just all over the place. And as I began to unsnarl, it was like a ball of yarn to me, all those emotions. And as I was able to start getting the yarn off and going through each one and letting myself feel it and understand why I'm feeling that way, what is my brain telling me that's got me feeling stirred up about this? And as I was able to move through those emotions, eventually... I got to a place, and it's not like overnight, you guys. This is work that you're going to be doing in your life for a while. I'm processing emotions. Somebody can say something that triggers you, you know, um, all that stuff. For a lot of us, if somebody comes up and says, you know, aren't you over this now? Aren't you going to get over it? Man, we like anger. <laughs> Immediately, I'm going to slap this woman, right? Once you can process your way through all that stuff, you kind of get to a place where it's like, oh, now I can just grieve. Now I can just miss him sometimes. I can savor the time I had with him. I can start savoring memories. Memories don't hurt anymore. I'm to that place. And it's not a timeline. It's the work you do for yourself. Because I know widows who've been widowed a lot longer than I have been. And they're just not there yet. And I get it. They haven't been able to process through. They haven't worked with a coach to be able to process through all the emotions that are just snarled up in there. I've been telling people, 
I guess it was maybe a month ago now or six weeks ago, um, our song came on the radio, you guys. It's a song that, I mean, there were enough songs that made me cry after Jim died. You know, it was like music was hard all of a sudden. Music was hard. But if I heard like the first three notes of Lady in Red, I would practically crash my car turning that radio off because it was, I couldn't handle it. I would even start crying just knowing it was going to play. <laughs> right? The other day, Lady in Red came on. And I remembered, I remembered the first time we danced together. And he sang it to me. I remembered all of it. And you know what? It didn't hurt. It was wonderful. I felt warm. I felt filled up. I felt that connection again all over. It was kind of amazing. And it's kind of amazing to be at that place now where I think, oh, I can, you know, have those memories and really enjoy them now. Really treasure that stuff now. Where before, I was too scared to even think about some of those memories. It was too hard. I could not open up a photo album because it was just too hard to look at some of those memories, right? Once you learn how to process this stuff and move through, you can get to that place, that place. And all of you... Working with a widow coach, one of my certified widow coaches, they're all trained in teaching you about your thoughts and your emotions and drive your actions and all that stuff. It is priceless to work with a widow coach. I have to tell you, I know so many of you are like, well, I can't afford that, or I'm not going to spend money on a coach, or, you know, if I go to a therapist, my insurance pays for part of that, but the therapist may not be a widow. The therapist doesn't have the tools that I have. These, it is some of the best money you will spend to work with a coach. And I'm a huge advocate of life coaching. What kind of life coach would I be if I wasn't? And it's not just go hire a life coach because I'm a life coach. I hire life coaches. Even though I'm a life coach, I know how to coach myself and I coach myself through an awful lot. But I also know when it's time for me to hire one of my coaches to get me through something or to give me an outside perspective on something, because we can't always get that detached perspective on what we're dealing with or what we're telling ourselves. And I've got a couple of coaches that actually I have several because I'm a business coach, a life coach. I have a, um, a sales coach. I have a lot of coaches that I've worked with and that I rehire and put them back on retainer for a little while when I need them. Because I know that's what drives my life to the next level. I know that working with some of these coaches has been what has made me financially okay since Jim died, right? It is so worthwhile, you guys. You can hire a coach if you feel like you want to learn more about doing coaching. Reach out to me. The Widow Coaches class starts again on July 17th. I've been sending out emails I have so many emails in my inbox right now. I haven't been able to get in touch with everybody. There are five spots left. 
have a couple people who want to get back to me. One of them I'm supposed to talk to today. So it may, it's probably only four spots left. And by tonight, it may only be three spots left. So um, there's a few spots left in the class. I cap it off at 12 widows. That's it. That's my sweet spot for teaching this class is 12 people. It's a 12-week course learning all the different coaching tools. It's life-changing to do the course. I've had many widows come do the 12-week course just to work through their own grief, which I'm, I'm all in. I'm like, no, I'm not going to make you do the certification. If you, you know, I'm not going to make you build a coaching practice. You don't have to build your business. You can just do the course. Although I'll tell you, most of the widows that have come through the course end up wanting to go ahead and build their own business and do this, working with other widows, helping them pick up the pieces. It's one of the most fulfilling things you can do. This is something that never existed in the world before, and we are making it happen. I am certifying widow coaches. We've built a community around widow coaching, and I want it to become something that every woman in this country has heard of, even before her, long before her husband passes away. It becomes common knowledge. So when somebody loses their spouse, they think, hey, let me find a good widow coach that I can work with for a few weeks. So I'm not all on my own going through this. Have somebody walk me through what I'm going through. Right? So, Charlene, keep posting with us. You can ask more questions about this. Um, do those thought downloads I talked about, looking at what you're telling yourself about those dates. And even come back into the group and maybe share with us how you plan on tackling those days. What things do you think you want to do to kind of mark the occasion? Um, I would love to hear it. And I hope this has helped you a lot and helped a whole bunch of others out there a lot listening to this. So get out there, you guys. It's summertime. Go find some joy in your day. I know we can't all go shopping because most of us are still sheltering in place. You can get outside of your house or your apartment. Go find a place in the open where you can walk. Go find some joy in your day, guys. Bye.